Okay, let's get started with the Nokar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam Om Namo Sitanam Om Namo Ayadiyanam Om Namo Uvachayanam Namo Lowe Sarvasahunam Eso Panchanamankaro Sarvapavapanasano Mangalalancha Sarvesim Paramam Have Mangalam Paramam Have Mangalam So thank you everybody for joining class today. As you know, this class has always been focused on how to take Jain principles out of the classroom and into your life. And so now we have an opportunity to expand on something that we only touched upon last week, is that how can Jain principles help you through this pandemic? And believe it or not, um, Jainism has a lot to say about it. So before you hang up because you don't need any help through this pandemic, remember there are probably people in your life that depend on you and that are looking at towards you for leadership. And while you might be able to weather this crisis yourself, it doesn't always mean you know what to tell them or you know how to articulate how you're able to do it. So this class will help you with that part too. So first, a lot of people know that America and the West has one of the highest qualities of life in the world. But most people forget that the quality of life has been increasing throughout history. So the first lesson I want you internalize, to internalize yourself is that you are currently living one of the highest qualities of life of anyone who's ever lived in history. Now, I know it doesn't feel like it. I know you have problems and you have worries and you have stress. But this is one of the basic things that adults usually know that we can teach our children, is that your problems, no matter how small, expand to fill the mind that they're in. Just like water expands to fill the shape of the container, your problems always seem like they're too much to overcome because they expand to fill your mind. So we have to learn to appreciate the truth even when it conflicts with our subjective feelings. And the truth is that anyone in history, including kings and rich and powerful people, would trade places with you in a heartbeat. So what? What evidence is there that your quality of life is high despite what you may be feeling on the inside? Well, I thought of four things and perhaps you can think of more. I came up with lifespan, security, a countrywide safety net, and advances in medicine. Okay, so let's take them in order. So lifespan is the easy one. We all know that the most precious of all resources is time. So you currently have more time in, than anyone else in history. That is more time to accomplish your goals. And the most precious thing is more time to perform nirjara than anyone else has previously had. 
So the second one, security, is a little bit harder to appreciate. But any student of history will know that our lives have coincided with one of the most peaceful times in history because of the bipolar and then unipolar world that we live in. Remember, most countries require men to serve in the military for a couple of years after graduating, uh, just so that country has the ability to mobilize very fast. The third one, a countrywide safety net. So, for most of history, your safety net was your family. That is, it was a blessing to be born in a very large family, because one of them that increased the chances that one of them was likely was able to help you get back on your feet when life knocked you down. Now most countries have in the West have a safety net and programs such as we have like welfare, unemployment insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. That is, if life knocks you down for you know reasons that are not your fault, then we have safety net programs to help you. And lastly, advances in medicine. So, believe it or not, infectious disease was something that humanity lived with for nearly all of human history. They just called it something different, right? We call it SARS and MERS and COVID. But they called it cat scratch fever, rheumatism, and sleeping sickness. So it was common to have somebody have your neighbor cough up blood and not know why and unable go to the doctor and unable to provide a diagnosis so those are the four reasons that i thought were most pertinent to convince you that you have the highest quality of life right now of anyone in human history so thoughts and uh questions about that Questions or comments? Tim, what was the second one? The first one was time. What was the second one? Security. Security. That is, we are not forced to be part of the military. We are not forced forced to join a two-year program after graduating to be part of the military to prepare our country for readiness. Uh, there is no conscription these days. That is still the norm and still common in many places. We have a standing army, but it's a volunteer army that's paid. Does anybody disagree? Does anybody discount any of the reasons that I mentioned? Or think that those actually have nothing to do with their quality of life. Hey, Tim. Um, I think it, I, I agree with that. Um, but still, it makes me always wonder when we review or read the literature or something, we watch it for the older times that how the simple life was, um, not chasing down every little things that we chase nowadays because of this uh, advancement. Um, I, I, I don't deny any of those things what you mentioned but I sometimes do wonder would life 
yes, shorter, but would be easier, better um, in that sense that you don't chase every little things that what we chase right now. Right, because they were worried about the big things like security. They were worried about the big things like life knocking you down and having no way to get back up. True. That is, and that's exactly what I'm talking about, right? Because we take these things for granted, because they're taking care of, they're taking care of for us through various ways. That is, our problems expand to fill our mind, and we look back on the past with very rose-colored glasses. Like it must have been so easy back then. It was so easy to make discoveries. It was so easy to get money. It must have been so easy you know, to have an uncomplicated life. But the, the people in the past had bigger problems than us and our problems have expanded to fill our own mind. And I know it's very hard to believe. Uh, that's why I decided to spend a little time here because it's very hard to argue with your subjective feelings. And it's hard to admit that what your feelings are telling you are wrong. But they are. So what does Jainism have to say about coping with the pandemic? So that's where we turn to chapter 9 in our book and Bhavna's 1 through 5. So let me pull that up. Okay. So remember the Bhavna's are reflections or contemplations. That is, these are the things that will put you on the right path if you reflect on them. And for telling people, for coping yourself with this pandemic and for telling the people you love how to cope with, these will serve you very well. The first one is anitya bhavna or transitoriness. That is, all material things in the universe are transitory in nature. What gives us pain is not the changing modes but our insistence on seeing that the things of our liking remain permanent. That's the most important sentence in this paragraph. Remember, we define anger as the mismatch between expectations and reality, the cause of anger. And that we spent a lot of time in multiple classes convincing ourselves that all anger is directed at the self. This is similar to that. What gives us pain is not change, but it's our insistence on seeing the things we like remain permanent. That is, we are the cause of our pain because we insist the world should be as it is not. And the world is transitory. And there's no going back to pre-pandemic time. And if we insist that we can get back there, we will fill our lives with pain. The only exception is our soul. The only thing that doesn't change are the characteristics of our soul unbound from karma. But it's hard to believe in the soul when we see the world all around us and we don't see our soul in our body. 
And so, but there is evidence for a soul, and perhaps that will be another class. But the only thing that is permanent is you. We should not use this reflection to be inactive and idle. So in each one of these we're talking about, we're going to see um, a little warning, a little caution that is not to use this reasoning perversely or take it too far. That is just because everything changes doesn't mean we can be inactive, we can be idle. It doesn't mean we don't have responsibilities. It doesn't mean we shouldn't show compassion. But it does mean that we should realize everything is impermanent and that is the cause of our pain. So comments or questions on Anitya Bhavna or transitoriness? Okay, number two, Asharan Bhavna or lack of refuge. No one can help us. Despite everything changing, the only thing that can help us is our own soul. That is, our family can't help us, our wealth can't help us, our material possessions cannot help us. So why should we depend on them? Why should we seek refuge in them when they cannot provide us refuge? It should be constantly kept in mind that we have to find our own course in life. When stricken by pain, physical or mental pain, we have to bear it ourselves. No one can save us from it. We are the creators of our own future, our pleasures, and our pain. And we have to learn to bear them without depending on others. We, second paragraph, we alone have to suffer from the pains of disease. So here's our caution. This reflection is not to be used to shun compassion, friendliness, benevolent acts, and thus to become utterly selfish and self-centered. That's using it, that's using this lack of refuge perversely. That is, we should try to do it ourselves, but that doesn't mean we stop being compassionate to other people who need our help. Though it is a fact that we cannot cure other people of their diseases or protect them from their own calamities that they must bear, we can show compassion toward them by trying to help them according to our capacity. The main point is that we should become self-dependent without desiring help from others. There's no escape from evil or the consequences of our evil acts. And when you think about them, you will change your life. So I remember, you know, I'm sorry to keep bringing this up, but this thing stuck with me and it'll probably stick with me for the rest of my life. When I asked how many of you think you are souls, very, very few of you raised your hand. So if you focus on these bhavnas, you will put yourself in the mindset to believe you are a soul and to take actions with the belief that you are a soul. And this is a way to change your life. So questions about number two. Asharan Bhavna or lack of refuge. Questions or comments?
Okay, number three, samsara bhavana. That is the cycle of birth and death. You and your loved ones will live on after this body dies. So in addition to helping you through this pandemic, this is a very good one to contemplate when someone you love dies. That is, their soul has gone on to the next life. So there's certainly no need to ruin your own life with grief. We shouldn't have any attachment to things or to any people because their soul is just like ours, goes on in the cycle of life and death. That is, the cycle of life and death is an endless wandering from one life to another that has no end except through moksha. If there's any purpose in the cycle of life and death, it is only one. That is, to find a way out. No one has gained anything by repeating, by continually being born and dying. And we should ask what we can do to avoid it. And as we reflect on this bhavna, this keeps us on the path of righteousness. That is, this is a very good counter to the nihilism that a lot of people experience when they consider the cycle of life and death and materiality and hedonism. That is, what is it all for? If I'm going to die, why should I do anything? What does it matter whether I die early or later? What does it matter whether I, I am good or bad? Well, it matters if you die early or later because if you die later, you have more chance to perform nirdra while you're in your human form. It matters what you do in this life because those actions affect your soul in the form of band. Right? So if you are in that trap of nothing matters, I don't care about anything, I'm going to die whether it's sooner or later, if you focus on this bhavna, that will help you get out of that trap and see that it is indeed a trap. Can I interrupt you on this part? Of course. So you mentioned, so longer I live, I have uh, more time to do nidra. Right. Is there some kind of math behind that? That is the two straight Because I would think the longer I live, in order for me to live, I will always be doing some kind of pop, right? Right. Living, eating, breathing, whatever it may be. Right. If I talk to anybody, they may take that into a, not a good way of, uh, you know. So I think the longer I live, the more pop I'm going to do, regardless of what nature I'm doing. Right. But you're forgetting about samvar. That is, the longer you live, the more chances you have to do samvar as well. So maybe I should have been a little bit uh, more careful with my words. That is, you have a better ability to do samvar and nirdra. And remember that samvar is the blocking of karma attaching to your soul. Uh, Timur, to uh, Ashley's point, I think earlier you mentioned that we in the U.S. 
developed countries are probably living the um, the most uh, uh, highest standard of living. Correct. By by definition, if we stay in the current mode, by even we saw in the energy output presentation, the the energy usage per capita uh, is the highest for us. Mm -hmm. So that means if we increase our lifespan in in this standard of living mode, and if it continues to do so, the as, as you said, it, it's it's going to be contradicting with the nirjara because just by accepting the standard of living, we have uh, we're not doing enough nirjara in my opinion. So would would, would it be uh, a conflict? Right. So very similar to the last question, that is very true. That if we are currently using the most energy out of um, everybody who's ever lived per capita as a country, then aren't we, uh, by having a long life, aren't we exacerbating that problem? But what we can do, remember, that as we continue to live, we can continue to perform samvar and decrease our energy use. So if that is what is important to you, um, and it should be important to all of us to perform samvar, then we can use our long life to perform somewhere and nirdra. So remember, you don't have to do it one and then another. That is, you don't have to block everything, and then only then, once you've blocked everything, you can perform nirdra. You can start to bail water from the boat. You can do both. That is, you can get, you can have the water coming in be as little as possible as you can get it. At the same time, bailing out as much as possible, you can perform Samvar and Nirdra at the same time. Thanks. No problem. I think this is a, uh, a topic that um, has generated some interest. So any other comments or questions about Samsar Bhavna? Okay, let's look at the next one. Ektva bhavna, that is solitariness. I'm alone. I was born alone. I will die alone. I am sick alone. I have to suffer alone. I alone have to experience the consequences of karma which I have earned. So, ekthva means aloneness and anyatva means separateness. So, if we are born alone and will die alone, then we can't depend on others to take care of our karma for us. That is, we alone can perform nirjara for our soul. And that is why you have to... Um, choose your own life and choose your own actions. Consciousness that I am alone and I alone have to chart my course of life is not being selfish. Also that my family, my friends and my belongings are not mine does not breed selfishness. But clinging to all these things does bring selfishness because such clinging is the result of gross attachment which is one of the worst vices we have. 
what these two bhavnas prescribe is to suggest that you have to bear the fruits of your own karma. Others cannot help you relieve, relieve you of bearing the fruits of your own karma. And similarly, you cannot help relieve others of the fruits of their karma. That is, you can be compassionate to them and you can help them just as other people can be compassionate to you and help you. But that won't remove those fruits of karma when they come due. So if we serve others with this outlook, then that will be, that will focus our mind on providing the correct type of help for others. So questions about solitariness. Does anyone disagree? Does anyone think that they're not born alone? They're not going to die alone. They're not going to be sick alone. Anybody disagree? After all, we have our families. We have our mother that gave birth to us. We have our parents that helped us. How is that being alone? Timur, just a comment. Uh, I think what's interesting is uh, probably a few minutes ago now, uh, in India there was a sort of a march of solidarity, mm -hmm. meaning opposite of this, and uh, saying that we are all together. And uh, knowing this is just a, uh, just a contradiction again uh, right. uh, for me. But. Right. So... Remember that being alone doesn't mean you can't show compassion to people. It doesn't mean that you can't help people or that other people can't help you. What it does mean is that when your karma comes due, nobody else will pay for it. Only you will pay for it. And therefore, if you act with the knowledge that you are going to be the bearer of all your own fruits, your behavior will change. Right? If we, if we believe that we are souls and that everything we do is being recorded in the form of karma, all of our actions, all of our intentions, all of our good deeds and bad deeds, our behavior will change. That's true. Hey Tim, quick question on that. Um, so when I'm being compassionate to others or when I'm helping others, is it like form of nidra or um, I'm doing some somber or I mean, helping my soul or getting rid of karma? Is that? Absolutely. When you are compassionate to others, when you help others, you are performing somber, you are performing nidra, and you are using, using your time in one of the best ways possible. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Anyatva bhavna, or otherness. Uh, there are other bhavnas, but this will be the last one that will help us through this pandemic. Um, the other, uh, we'll get to the other bhavnas when we get to them. Otherness. The soul and the body are separate. 
The body is inanimate, ephemeral, while my soul is conscious and eternal. On this account, human beings should not be agitated and perturbed by bodily pains and pleasures. Here's the money sentence right here. Generally, all energy is used up in thinking about bodily pains or pleasures. So I'll give you a great example. We all remember being 18 and having a sex drive that was out of control. Now having the perspective of a lower libido, we can see how that drive enslaved us. We can see how that drive caused us to perform things that we wouldn't otherwise do. We can see how we were a slave to that very human drive. So if you take that example and you extrapolate it out to everything around you, you will see the meaning of this sentence. Generally, all of our energy is used up in thinking about bodily pains and pleasures. That is, our mind is always occupied by what shall I do next that will bring me pleasure? What shall I cook next that will bring my mouth pleasure? What shall I do next to make sure that my body is not in pain? What shall I do next constantly? Your whole life, all of your mental, all of the cycles of your brain are used up in thinking about how to maximize pleasure and minimize pain. That is, the things you take pleasure in are weaknesses that keep you in bondage. Remember, it's very easy to see how our sex drive keeps us in bondage. It controls us. It makes us things makes us do things we may not want to do. It makes us it makes it may make our quality of life in other areas go down to pursue that kind of pleasure. But it's not just that's just an easy example that we can all relate to. Take that example and extrapolate it out to all parts of your life and you'll see that pleasure is weakness, that seeking out pleasure is weakness. If one knows as to who one is, in the light of that pure knowledge, one will not develop attachment for the body, nor will one become a slave of sense organs. Now that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty powerful language become a slave of sense organs. But I don't think it's a mischaracterization. I think that that's what we all are. We are slaves of our sense organs. We like to hear something great. We like to look on something great. We like to feel something great. We will be saved from the miseries and calamities arising from attachment to the body and also from ignorance and delusion. We realize that real happiness does not depend on external objects, but on the soul itself. The source of happiness is the soul. So uh, you must have heard it a million times that happiness is a choice you make at each moment and can only come from inside of you. And so this, if you reflect on this bhavna, you will realize, you will come to change, reorient your life to this truth. This body is transitory and it is different from me. I am the soul which is not perishable, while the body is perishable. Even wealth, family, etc. is not mine. They are different from me. 
Therefore, I detach myself from all these things. So questions about anyatva bhavna or otherness. So how do we distinguish this particular bhavna with what we briefly described before? In order to extend your life longevity, you will be performing some painful exercises, for instance, you know, exercise or eating healthy and, and, and take some sort of uh, pain to your body in order to continue extend your lifespan. Uh, wouldn't that contradict what it says here that we always think about bodily pain and pleasure? Pleasure, I understand. Yes, you're right about that. But pain, sometimes I believe it is necessary to take in order to do certain things, including somewhere and Nirjara. So this is about avoiding pain. So in the your example of exercise, this doesn't apply. You're not avoiding pain. This bhavna says most of our life is spent avoiding pain. If you're seeking out pain, this doesn't apply. Oh, I see. So thinking of pain and pleasure, you're, you're taking pleasure, taking, putting pleasure in front of pain. And okay, that makes sense now because even for tapas cherias, the exercise, all of that we do, we do take pain to the body. Um, so that, yeah, okay, that explains. So now you guys tell me. So we talked about these five bhavnas, right? So now you make it explicit. How will these help us through this pandemic? Tell me what chitna is. Uh, chitta means worrying for chit. Like, you know, or like, like for example, what if my, 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 you know, just worrying about this pandemic and effects. The over compulsiveness of worrying about things just like you worry about your kids and their school and if they did well at school and things like that the same kind of worrying of what will happen if this pandemic does this or if this will happen of that to be compassionate doesn't mean you have to worry 
to be uh, to help people doesn't mean you have to take on stress. You can be compassionate with joy in your heart. You can help others less fortunate than you with joy in your heart and being happy to do so. And I suggest you do so. I suggest you not take on other people's problems. You don't have to take on other people's problems to help them. If you hand out food at the food shelter, if you donate food and hand out food at the food shelter, um, I suggest you do it with a smile on your face. I suggest you do it. I, I suggest you spread happiness while you do it. Yeah, that's a good point. But for example, taking that example, I'm just expanding on this. If I go to a place where I'm donating food, but then I'm worried that I need to keep make sure I have a one month of supply in my house before I donate the food, because just in case if the lockdown happens and I, I run out of uh, groceries, uh, it's just, a, again, I'm, this is a hypothetical question, but uh, it's just in my mind, I'm trying to think, how not to worry or how just not to on what are the simple examples to avoid that level of worriness where the stress come into the play versus just being compassionate like you said and and doing things that that gives you joy and happiness so here's where like most professionals would tell you that things become a problem or addiction like let's take drinking drinking becomes a problem when it affects your responsibilities, right? Like at work, for example, or if you have some addiction, it becomes a problem when it affects your responsibilities negatively. And in fact, it makes you things that you don't want to do. So I would tell you that this is the same thing. Worrying when it becomes a problem for you, for your health, then it's too much. Worrying when it becomes a problem uh, for that affects other areas of your life, such as your work or your relationship with your family, then it's too much. I think that's a good way to put it. I, I think that's, it makes perfect sense. So just in case you were wondering, there are more bhavnas. There are 12, um, asuchi, impurity, Ashra of Samvar, Nirjara, which we talked about, we've been talking about for years. The nature of the cosmos, which we talked about three weeks ago. Rarity of enlightenment, which we also talk about. Dharma Bhavna, which is religion. And that's the last one. So those um, we've been talking about a lot. I think that these five will help you. And if you don't need any help, this will allow you to answer some of your questions that your children might have or that other people might have about, well, how can I get through this? I'm having trouble getting through this. I'm having trouble. My life is upended. Um, I don't know when it's going to return back to normal. I don't know, you know, I, I, I want things to go back to the way they were. Uh, this is a really common attitude and it's the attitude that most people have. But we know better. Right. And that puts us in a position to lead people out of that way of thinking. So questions, not just about the last one, but questions or comments about any of the bhavnas, transitoriness, helplessness, the cycle of birth and death, solitariness and otherness. And of course, you'll see that they dovetail with each other. Um, the concepts are somewhat, you know, 
the beginning of one and the end of another will be somewhat similar, but they are different different concepts. Questions about any of that? Okay, questions or comments about uh, any of uh, any of our classes so far, or any comments that we want to, any topics we want to address, or any concerns about classes and what we want to do going forward. I think this format is really well. Uh, thanks for organizing, Taylor. Oh, no problem. I'm glad to do it. I definitely don't take for granted the time that you guys give me to affect your life. Not many people have that opportunity. So I want to make sure that I fill it with things that can help you. Are we going to have the next weekend? Uh, the typically we don't, but I don't know anybody's going anywhere. Next <laughs> <week>. <laughs> so... Yeah, you're right. Typically, we follow the uh, Patsala schedule, and usually there's some camping or something that's going on Easter weekend. I'll see if Patsala is having classes next week online. I know a lot of people have moved to online, and um, I'll keep you guys updated. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for joining the, me this week. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.